listening to Fox Sports Radio. 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 Oh, it is March. So glad to have you with us. It's so much going on on this Sunday afternoon. David Gaskett's at the news desk. You heard him give you all the scores. You just have that feeling when it comes to college basketball. We dive in to that sport and so much more. Welcome aboard. It is Fox Sports Radio, Fox Sports Sunday with the NFL vet George Reister and me, Dan Beyer. Find me on Twitter at Dan Beyer on Fox, and you can find George on Twitter at George Reister. I want to let you know that today's show was brought to you by one of our favorite cities, Las Vegas, the greatest arena on earth. Plan your trip today at Visit Las Vegas. Com. This April 28th through the 30th, Vegas will be hosting the 2022 Draft, an event that will be unlike any other with unparalleled energy and excitement that only the greatest arena on earth can deliver. Best part is now through March 13th, we're giving away a trip for two to be a part of the energy and excitement. That's right. You and the lucky person of your choosing can win a trip to Las Vegas during Draft Weekend, April 28th through the 30th, sponsored by the Las Vegas Convention and Visitors Authority, the prize Package includes round-trip airfare to Vegas, a hotel stay on the Strip, access to Fox Sports Radio's draft broadcast, and so much more. To enter and get rules, visit FoxSportsRadio.com. That's FoxSportsRadio.com to win a trip to Vegas during draft weekend. I mentioned it was March, and March did not get off on the right foot, or at least yesterday didn't for the Duke Blue Devils, as they fell at home to the North Carolina Tar Heels. But the game was not the story. The obvious story was it was the final home game for Coach Mike Krzyzewski, at Duke as he is retiring after the season. Unfortunately for him and all the Blue Devil fans and all the former players that were there, North Carolina came in and end up ruining that swan song. However, because yesterday was really about Coach K, it got a lot of people talking about Coach K and during his time and where he stands. And I think that the overall thinking, and I'm curious on on what George's thoughts are, when we talk about the greatest coaches in sports, there seem to be coaches that always are brought up for that certain sport, specifically college basketball where John Wooden, I believe, is thought to be the best coach that college basketball has ever seen. And now when you take someone like Mike Krzyzewski, who doesn't have nearly the amount of national championships that uh, John Wooden has, but you take the career of Mike Krzyzewski, which, by the way, matches with the number of Final Fours that John Wooden had. Both have appeared in 12, and actually Coach K could end up breaking that if they go this year. Starts to maybe bring Coach K a little bit into the conversation. And I actually think that there is an argument that could be made that Coach K is the greatest uh, college coach that we've ever seen, and that includes John Wooden. And I think that there's also a conversation that could be made that maybe Mike Krzyzewski is the greatest coach that we have ever seen in sports. And this is this is now the time to have those conversations because it is the end, and we are watching greatness, and it allows you to at least appreciate that greatness while it's still in its current form and while it is still active in the game. Now, we only have a month left of Coach K. No matter when Duke wins or loses, a month from now, the Final Four will be uh, taking place, and we'll know if Duke is in that spot or not in that spot, but there's really only a month left for Coach K and his coaching career at Duke. So you have the conversation of, is Coach K the greatest college coach of all time? And if he is... You see the greatest coach that we've seen in all of sports. We do want to get your thoughts on the on the topic. 877-996-6369. That's 877-99 on Fox. And even though the national championships by Duke, and even if Duke would run the table this year, 
Coach K would end up finishing with six national titles and John Wooden would end up finishing with 10. I don't think that that a number and the amount of national titles is the end-all be-all to all of this because I think that there's different games and I think that there's a different sports and by games I mean how the game is played and what happened in the 1960s and 1970s with John Wooden to what maybe Coach K has been dealing with the last 20 years in college basketball and in this sort of realm and 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 when you look at when you look at the two and it's not co- to, to compare Wooden and Shashevsky even though we are because I think it is a bigger picture but when you look at what Shashevsky was able to do at Duke. And for those of you that are that are my age, that are sports fans, mid 40s, uh, maybe even a little bit older, there was a time in your life when Duke couldn't get it done. You know exactly what I'm talking about. It was the late 80s, and whether it was Duke going to the Final Four and falling to Louisville in 1986, whether it's them falling in the 88 Final Four, going in 89 and not winning, getting blown out in 1990 by UNLV in the National Championship game, there was a point where Duke basketball and Mike Krzyzewski were thought of as the runners-up, the, the almosts the team that can't get over the hump. And now it was only a five, six-year period, but Duke would go to the Final Four seemingly every year. Maybe they'd win a game and go to the national championship game, but in just what I ran down to you, they wouldn't win, which makes 1991 so crazy because it reminds me of the guy who actually I think is the biggest or the best coach of all time in any sport, and that is Bill Belichick. I do believe that when it come, when you come down to it and you break everything down, better than Mike Krzyzewski, better than John Wooden, better than Vince Lombardi, better than Scotty Bowman, um, we could go up and down the list. I think that Bill Belichick is the greatest coach that we have ever seen in team sports, college and pro. And when I say college, we're talking about Division One. We're talking about FBS. I'm sure that there are great coaches at the Division Three level, but we just don't have those those coaches uh, to be able to analyze. So I think Bill Belichick is the greatest coach of all time. But the point I want to make with with Belichick and Chashevsky, and why I think that there's actually parallels between the two, is in 1991 when Duke ended up playing UNLV in that national semifinal game. Duke was the underdog. UNLV was the team that everybody didn't like because they were going for back-to-back championships. They were thought to be the unstoppable force and being undefeated. And here Duke comes in that has had failures in the Final Four year after year prior to that. Duke ends up knocking off UNLV and what it does is it starts the run of Duke. And I kind of feel that's the same with the Rams and Patriots Super Bowl and Super Bowl 36 when the Patriots came in as the underdog and we didn't like the greatest show on turf because they had won two years ago, George. But I, I, I think that you could see Paris parallels with Coach K and Bill Belichick as we sit here and try to debate who the greatest of all time are. It's interesting to me that both of those kind of broke through in the same similar fashion, and now you can look at those guys and just end up having that conversation on are they truly the GOATs in their profession? Well, well, GOATs, I think, especially in the coaching profession, are judged by a couple of things. First thing is, number one, you have to have – Longevity, like doing it at a high level for a very long time is is necessary. Championships, plural, are necessary. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. it is not just, you know, a, a short run of, you know, of, you know, two or three championships like like nobody considers Jimmy Johnson one of the greatest NFL coaches of all time because the longevity isn't there despite winning multiple Super Bowls. 
And and also you you have a situation to where like with with Mike Shashevsky, in addition to being a great coach at Duke, he was a great coach with the Olympic team. And he's so well respected like a Greg Popovich in terms of his leadership and his ability to, you know, connect with players and build men on top of building players. So I think that those are the things that, that kind of separate, you know, coaches when you yeah. talk about, you know, greatness, particularly in college, because in college you're talking about the building of other human beings. And in the NFL you're talking, or in the NBA, you're talking about winning. Like, like, like in the NBA, if you were talking about greatest coaches of all time, there's a coach that's coaching right now in the Eastern Conference who I believe, and a lot of people believe, is one of the 15 greatest coaches of all time. But Mike if Budenholzer. you ask fans that, they Just wouldn't kidding. put him in there. Mike Budenholzer, right? That's who you're talking about? Man, man, the man that was going <laughs> to get fired last year? No, not him. Who, who, who am I talking about, Dan? Eric Spolstra. Yep, Eric Spolstra. So it is sustained greatness for a long time and also being able to do it under like good results under adverse circumstances. Like, like, can he win and do well without LeBron and D Wade? The answer is yes. <laughs> He's been to an NBA finals without them. So I think that those are the things that are the marks of are the hallmarks of great coaches. Well, it was the bubble year. I don't know how much that counts. Oh my! I look, mean. What are you talking? See, look, had had your Milwaukee Bucks won in a bubble year, what would you have been saying? I mean, and and I can and I can they, they won it last year. When it was yeah, a, but also it was okay, okay, okay. So so uh, they won in a in a year that that players were playing on short rest the most missed games by any by all-stars in nba history last year in the playoffs dan so i could make an argument for that last year's championship was much easier because because the 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 best teams the teams with the best players like the lakers the uh the uh, miami heat like teams that went deep in the uh, the Clippers that went deep in the playoffs the year before had major injuries. The Clippers, the Nuggets, all that. So it made it. And then the Brooklyn Nets were were very beat up. So I can make a case, Dan, that last year's championship was even easier than the than the bubble season. Hey, the Bucks at least had to go to Phoenix to play a game, <laughs> and they won their final series. Unlike the Heat, who ended up losing it. But I, I understand. I, I understand. I'm just giving the business a I little know. bit. I think there's a lot. There's there's a lot to take in the one. One thing that I will say uh, with the Spolster comment that you made of when they did win, every great coach had players. So I never I never think that that is part of the conversation in saying that, you know, this 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 is why this guy is a great coach. And this guy this is the reason why this guy isn't, because the coaches who win the multiple championships usually have good players. Yes. Yes, there's never been a time where someone has come in and taken a downtrodden team and just had a bunch of misfits like you can yeah. in, in Madden. Yeah, I, get, I have the greatest schemes in the universe. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Listen, yeah. it, no matter how good your schemes are, if you don't have dudes who can shoot the ball and put it in the bucket, you don't. You can't win. Like that's the. I mean, it is. It's like Larry Larry Brown, who in NBA circles is regarded as a very very good. Uh, head coach and one of the best of all time. But 
I mean, Larry, Larry Brown, he probably doesn't get the credit that he deserves because he was willing to take on the struggle. Whereas Phil, whereas Phil Jackson, he always had the best players in, you know, Jordan and Kobe and Shaq and Pippen and all of them. and And people try to knock him. Oh, well, you always had the greatest players. Well, that doesn't mean everybody could have got it done either at head coach. Yeah, it, and John John Wooden had, you know, Luel Cinder and yes. Bill Walton and, you know, and Duke had Christian Leitner, Grant Hill, uh, you know, Shane Battier. Yeah, you know, it, other, doesn't, other, it doesn't hurt. <laughs> yeah, there's, 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 there are guys, you could just go down the line, that there are always players going to, to be there. I think that the, the longevity is actually a big point of emphasis for Shashevsky, and I'm not trying to say that John Wooden didn't have longevity, but their their success of when they won the 12 championships, you know, did go from you know 19 or the 10 championships and the uh, the 12 Final Fours that they had did go from you know the early 1960s to the mid 1970s. So like those are the those are the other things as well as where you look at Coach K and you say, all right, well Coach K started taking his team to Final Fours in 1986 and was still taking a team to the final four in 2015 and the college game in that, you know, 30 years drastically changed. He adjusted to the one and done, which everybody thinks that Kentucky was the poster child for the one and done. No Duke is now the poster child from the one and done. When there was a time where that was never like nobody, like guys didn't leave Duke to go to the NBA early. Grant Hill stayed four years and ended up almost winning a national championship his senior year. So like Duke adjusted, Duke adjusted to the game, but that's why I think Belichick is the best in my mind. If you want to make a best of the best of the best, it's not only the amount of Super Bowls, and it's not even a Brady-Belichick argument, George, as we were just saying, is that the NFL strives itself on parity. Okay. The NFL would love every team to be, you know, to have that opportunity to be 9-8 and eight and have everybody the same and the playing field is the same, yet he is the one that was able to rise above that and win in an era where I think the NFL tried to make it even more difficult to win multiple Super Bowls. And that's okay. why I put Belichick how, on top. How do you factor – because I put Belichick on top too – but I do think it is worth talking about in the conversation that there is that there should be some demerits for for Spygate, Deflategate, for the uh, the the other taping and and uh, the weird stuff that's going on with the field coaches getting stuck in elevators, headsets going out. You know, I I, I think there does that there we do have to sure you know put some well, d- demerits on his name as far as that. I think that there are demerits. There are demerits for Coach K and some thinking that maybe he's ducking out in opportunities when uh, his teams weren't as good. Um, maybe him taking that sort of, uh, uh, you know, use that as a demerit. John Wooden as well. And in how they got players, there was questions kind of like there. I don't want to say that's as, as in the Belichick example, but there, there are there are pieces that I think you could go to a lot of these great coaches. I think that there are demerits to, to all of them. But but overall, I just it's tough for me when the NFL tries to get every all 32 teams to be as even as possible for him to rise above is just uh, that to me is is something that you can't you can't match because it's not the same in college hoops. We, we know that he's George Reister. I'm Dan Byer. This is Fox Sports Sunday. Love to get your thoughts on it. Eight seven seven. 
99 on Fox. That's 877-996-6369. Hit George up on Twitter at George Reister. You can find me on Twitter at Dan Beyer on Fox. George will weigh in on how much those demerits do maybe bring down a legacy when we're talking about goats and coaching. That next year on Fox Sports Radio. Fox Sports Sunday. He's George Reister. I'm Dan Beyer. Glad to have you with us. Coming up in a little less than an hour, we'll get the latest on what's happening with a baseball lockout. Bernie Fratto, host here at Fox Sports Radio, guy who's covered the sport for decades upon decades, already going back to the mid-90s when the lockout or when the strike happened in 1994, uh, the work stoppage back in 1994. Uh, Bernie will be joining us in about an hour to give us the latest as it was Apparently not a great day when it comes to the uh, possibility of the lockout ending. But we are talking about the coaching situation in sports. And the situation is this. Who is the GOAT? This on the heels of Mike Krzyzewski coaching his final game at Cameron Indoor yesterday. Happened to be a loss to North Carolina. I think that there is an argument that you can make that Coach K is the greatest college coach we've, we've ever seen. And that includes uh, even comparing what, what John Wooden did. I think longevity Whoa. is a part of it. But but. George brought up the point. You can even you can even go more on that, George, if you want. But the demerits, the, the things, maybe the 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 black eyes that you get, the uh, red check marks, um, the things that don't necessarily go great or are great news, that that also can weigh in on how you determine who is the best and who isn't. Oh, it definitely does. But I mean. You know, like when when we get to talking about Mike Shashevsky, where you just said that he uh, may be the greatest college coach of all time, I think we're getting into a LeBron Jordan territory, right? Yeah, probably with 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 John Wooden, because when you look at the impact that John Wooden has had on so many other coaches. And on people just in life, whether it's in the private sector or or anywhere else, I think that that's the thing that probably separates him from even even the great work that Coach K has done in terms of, you know, uh, you know, changing the leadership uh, with 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 men, making better men, making better humans, all of those stuff. Right. So so I think that that factors into it. But when you look at what. And the and the era for Coach K matters too. Dan is that yes, he's done it when there's the transfer portal. He's done it when there is um, you know when there's one and dones and and all of this. So it's a totally different era, which makes it even more uh, harder with player movement and more coach movement. But I do still have to look at you know John Wooden and his principles and the way he taught that have influenced so many people and the amount of championships that just keeps him in that one spot. Do you think it's more difficult now or then to get to a Final Four and to win a national championship? Ooh. Because I think it's more difficult now. That, that's, that's, and and I'm, not, I'm not trying to rain on John Wooden's See, resume, but as we're splitting hairs here, all of the championships came you know, in that decade and a okay, half. And I, I, would, and I actually think that the longevity of Coach K and what they've done uh, over that 30 you know plus year span and he's been there 40 years you know to to have the success in the mid 80s you know in the their first final four up until now is okay remarkable okay so there's two parts to this then is that okay is that it's easier to reach a final four now because there's more parity there are more good players like the availability like the availability of talent is greater now right can, can mm-hmm. we can we agree on that Yes, that the margins between 
a player at VCU and Duke are closer than they've ever been, right? Yep. And we would often see, and like we've seen George, everybody from George Mason to Gonzaga 20 years ago to, um, you know, Butler, all of these yeah, teams Loyola. that aren't yep. powerhouses in the Final Four. So, so I think that the fact that there's more teams that have done it recently, that that, that, that makes it a little bit easier. But the thing that makes it that made it that makes it harder to win is that there is there's not as much continuity continuity on your team. Your best players don't stay there for more than one year if they're you know NBA ready. But but when you look at in the in the past, it was easier to have sustained success if you were an elite program because like. UCLA, they just kept begetting the best players in the nation and the, you know, the best player in the nation every single year. So whereas it was harder to get those best players then because the the gaps were so big. So I think that there's different takeaways from both eras. The other part of it is, and this is an apples to oranges, to, as you're saying, it's difficult to do the, the Jordan – and LeBron because they didn't play against each other didn't really you know they didn't play in the same era is the NCAA tournament field now the it, field it was, was expanded it's, yes. it was 16 teams early on in the defense of of Wooden and I'm not trying to sit on the fence here worse teams were added so like you know but the but the road like you're playing more games like it went from 16 and then it expands to 32 and then it goes to 64 in 1985. Yeah, now there it's are at more 68. opportunities to lose. Yes, and the teams are better. So yes, yes. that that's what I was saying. That yeah, that like now at first the the uh, chances of um of uh, Maryland what what was it UMBC yep yeah uh, beating. Virginia as the number one team in the nation was about zero, right? Like, like if you go back 30, 40, 50 years ago, if, if, if the field had been that big, the chance of them winning was like zero, right? Mm -hmm. Now it's no longer zero. (laughs) The, the, the uh, chance of a two seed beating a 15 back then was zero. Even though the field wasn't versa, that, yeah. that big, now if you're a 15 seed, you better watch out, dude, because the team that you're playing has like 10 seniors on it who are like 23, sure. 24 years old who are ready to come bust bust you up. Yeah, yeah, it's the re- yeah the reverse. The 15 can upset the two because the 15 seed has all those seniors. The other thing is 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 well, and this gets into a a, a completely different subject. You know, you know what we're gonna do? I'm, I'm gonna tell you why. Like we're we're probably gonna see more 16 seeds end up winning games, and why it is a little bit more difficult. We're gonna do that in a sec. But first, I gotta tell you, it is Fox Sports Sunday. He's George Reister. I'm Dan Beyer. If cold candidate calls aren't turning into hot hiring leads, then you need Indeed because in Indeed's powerful hiring platform makes it easy to attract, screen, and interview candidates all from one place. Find your next great hire visiting Indeed.com slash credit. I'll tell you why there's likely to be more upsets as we are a week away from the uh, selection show. We're going to do that after David Gascon gives us the latest as the uh, madness is starting to warm up in the world of sports on this March 6th Sunday. What's going on, Dave? I think we can all agree here nationally that um, in our lifetime, Uh, We will never see the Hawkeyes win an NCAA championship. I don't know.
Oh, who knows? Keegan Murray and and Murray uh, Jordan Bohannon this Listen. year. Maybe it's oh, a Cinderella no. one run Listen, for Iowa. No, no, I just got a chance to interview your your head coach this this week. Sam McCaffrey. Uh-huh. Yeah, and he was super cool, oh. and he kept it real about how how he does. And and listen, he struck me as a dude I would not mind my kid playing for. And and in these times, do not do not count out the Iowa Hawkeyes oh. because oh number one, they're probably <laughs> not going to have to play my Oregon Ducks. And number <laughs> thank two, thank goodness. Yeah, and, no- ducks. <laughs> and number two. Dude, if if Oregon State made the Elite Eight last last year, you can do it too. Well, thank you, and uh, I would mention that Oregon State has, I think, still three wins on the year. Yeah, I don't three know what, hap- what happened the to that. Hangover is yeah. still there. Is uh, is Washington State still walking all over Oregon? By the way. That game ended yesterday. Asking for a friend, George. That game ended yesterday. Like, it's just hey, roadkill. Hey, hold up. No, no. We we were just getting ready for the Pac-12 tournament. Oh, it's boy. Fine. It's fine. They're about to go on a run. I mean, Oregon wins all the most important games, and then they uh, <laughs> they lose some of the bad ones. Dude, this oh, season no. is one of the most ridiculous seasons for Oregon basketball that I can ever remember. It's this couple with the Lakers. They're trying to kill me. Well, at least it leads into Bo Nix starting for you guys next football season, right? Oh, my God. Were hey, you Dan Byer in said Indianapolis? It. Said it. Yeah. Oh, I was getting heckled about this in Indianapolis, too, <laughs> dude. They were like, you're all in on Bo Nix, right? Yeah. I'm like, bro, I'm not saying – I'm just giving – I'm just remaining hopeful, people. Remaining hopeful. It's good. Guys, uh, Michigan State's all over Maryland right now. 46-26 to 26 is the score. Fellas are at the break right now. A couple teams did punch their – ticket. Looking to go the length of the court. Throws to DeVries. Tipped away. Stolen by Schwieger. He's going to dribble it out ahead to Lucas Williamson and let the celebration begin here at Enterprise Center in St. Louis, Chicago for the second year in a row. Your Loyola Rambers are Missouri Valley Conference Tournament Champions. And in the process, they have earned an automatic bid to the NCAA Tournament. Sister Jean, dust off those dancing shoes. Here we go again. Your final here this afternoon, Loyola 64, Drake 58. The Ramblers wave goodbye to the Valley, and we're going dancing. What a game. So they are advancing. Michigan beats Ohio State 75-69 to was the final tally there. CAA Championship quarterfinal. Townsend beats Northeastern 68-61. to Big South goes to Longwood. They punch their ticket as well. They win over Winthrop 79-58. Uh, to Dan, just say, no to, just say no to Iowa. <laughs> no, I tell you what, nobody's going to want Longwood in the NCAA tournament. The Lancers, nobody's going to want to face them. Uh, so if you see Longwood on, in in your uh, in your bracket uh, on your line, beware. I got to ask you a personal question. Yes, because you are you are fantastic with with games. Are you better at knowing the mascot for these teams or the city and state that they reside in? <laughs> I mean, because you're pretty money with this stuff. Uh, yeah, probably the mascot. Right. Um, you know, sometimes you know, I do love geography and I do love maps. Yeah, but there was some, you know, there was something that, uh, um, like, I know the lo- the Longwood uh, Lancers, mm-hmm. but but I didn't know like where they were located. So. That's so. I would probably say if I had to bet, I would probably say mascots. Right, fair enough. Yeah, Dan, did that, you know that geography was my uh, college major? 
Was it? I yeah. did not know that. Yep. Iowa Sam more chiming you know. in. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I did not know that. Oh, interesting. Farmville, Virginia was where Longwood was. I found that out during the broadcast <laughs> today of that Big South, but I did not okay, know where, so, where it was located. Okay, so I still don't don't know. So um, it's Big South, so I'm assuming it's in the South somewhere, right? So I would go Virginia. Uh, yes, yes, that is correct. Do you, do you want to guess the city since I just Longwood. said it 15 seconds ago? Longwood. No, Farmville, Virginia. Farmville, oh. Virginia was oh, where it was. I should was. probably pay attention. <laughs> That's all right. That's all right, but you got the Virginia right after I just told you. It's all good. Do you want to know why a 16 seed is likely to, an upset is likely to happen again? Tell us, is, Dan. This is the reason. is because when the NCAA tournament was 64 teams, there were only four 16 seeds. And now you're saying, well, aren't there four now? No, there aren't. There are actually six 16 seeds. And so when conference realignment ended up happening and the field expanded to 65 and then you ended up having the first four with 68, they didn't it didn't make the field stronger on on the on the on the better side of the bubble. It just actually made it weaker on the other side of the bubble. You're adding more uh, automatic bid teams or you're what you're basically doing is this is there were always four 16 seeds and there probably always should be but now there are six so what that tells me george is that two of those teams were likely 15 seeds which we have seen upsets before so if you took the four worst teams in the tournament when there was a 64 team field you had 61 62 63 and 64 and that's how it how it played out. But when you had to add um, an opportunity for at-large bids in the middle, it's, I know it's a little confusing, but essentially the 16 seeds, the two best 16 seeds that are in the field now are actually are 15 seeds because the automatic qualifiers for tournaments didn't change. It was the at-large bids that changed when the WAC ended up splitting into the Mountain West. And then they're like, well, we need, a, we need to, you know, get into the tournament so then they get into the tournament and the automatic qualifiers ended up staying the same so you weren't you weren't changing the worst teams in the tournament and those worst teams sometimes were 15 seeds where we've seen it throughout time but that's why i think a team like umbc maybe they should have been a 15 seed oral roberts last year was a 15 seed and people are like they should have been a 14 or a 13 but you're just getting better teams at uh Lower on and lower on in the seating if that makes any sense yeah because so. they don't have to quote unquote play against the quality competition that all of these other teams do so they don't get seeded properly. But I actually love that. I actually think that that sort of thing makes the tournament great is when you have more teams, like when the best teams still have to play against. I mean, because it just looks weird, right? If you would seed, you know, a team like, Oregon State last year, I think that they were at an 11 seed, is instead of them being an 11, they're a 15, and then uh, you know, and then Duke has to play, well, Duke, well, not not last year, but if if you had, you know, a top, uh, a two seed have to play Oregon State in the first round, at, who's out of the Pac-12, instead of having to play a team like Longwood, who you've never heard of. I think the optics of it are what make it you know, are the reason why the seeds are how they how they are. But but then you still get a team like Loyola Chicago, who was an eight seed 
or when Gonzaga used to be eight eight seeds and people don't want to see those type of teams. Sure, sure. Like there's there was um, you know like last year like Mount St Marys and Texas Southern played in the in the sixteen seed game, and uh, I believe Texas Southern ended up uh, winning uh, that game, and then they went on to to face Michigan. Um, if they were the if they were the worst you know team of of the Mount St Marys was then you have a better you have a stronger 16 seed actually moving on and yeah it's the 15 16 you're not going to get them every year but I do think we will see a one seed lose again in the tournament I'll say it'll happen in the next five years again just because it's also difficult to just understanding last year was such a crapshoot because of COVID you really you probably didn't have as good of an idea of really who was good and who wasn't I don't know if you're going to have that problem this year and it all depends on how many uh, teams end up sneaking into the tournament or stealing that bid but it uh, it is likely to, to happen more which actually brings us back to the whole point of the conversation is there are more pitfalls there are more trap doors you know I mean to go in when when Duke lost to Lehigh who would have known that CJ McCollum you know I mean even though he was you know I, I, I believe that was uh, I can't remember exactly what year that was but that you would have that sort of you know player and sometimes sometimes the committee miss you know seeds and then you get those situations that you have it is Fox Sports Sunday. He is George Reister. I'm Dan Beyer. If you had to pick one greatest of all time, Coach, we'll put a bow on that. Who, who, do, you, who do you name? All sports. It's tough when you go back to, like, Lombardi. You know, we went back with Wooden. Even got a, you know, got a, a tweet in from Paul saying uh, uh, that Paul Brown was a, or a tweet saying that Paul Brown was the greatest coach of all time. Uh, John Sapacchetti tweeting in with that see, I mean, see i'm i'm not gonna get into that and all the way deep deep into the b-side guys because and and the only reason is not not that they're not worthy of consideration but i think that there's an element of errors so if we break it down in errors then i think it's much much easier and then try, trying to cross compare sports is nearly impossible, but I'm going to put up there, obviously, Greg, Greg Popovich. I'm going to put up there Phil, Phil Jackson, Bill Belichick, that those are guys. And then in college, obviously, Nick Saban. Yeah. I, yeah. He's there's there's no doubt about that. I think sometimes, too, we always are like, OK, he's got to win. You got to win this. Like, you've got to win. You got to beat Montana's four. You got to beat Jordan's six. Um, nope, sometimes with I coaches, don't, I don't, I don't think you, you need to do that. He yep. is George Reister. I'm Dan Beyer. This is Fox Sports Sunday. Hiring heating up. Indeed's hiring platform makes it easy to attract, screen, and interview candidates all in one place. Sponsor a post and instantly receive a short list of quality candidates on Indeed whose resumes match your job description. Visit Indeed.com slash credit. Get George on Twitter at George Reister. You can find me on Twitter at Dan Beyer on Fox. One guy is ditching his NFL team because of tanking. You won't believe this story. That's next year on Fox Sports Radio. Hey, I'm Doug Gottlieb. The podcast is called All Ball. We usually talk all basketball all the time, but it's more about the stories about what made these people love their sport and all the interesting interactions along the way. We talk to coaches. We talk to players. We tell you stories. You download it. You listen to it. I think you'll like it. Listen to All Ball with Doug Gottlieb on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Fox Sports Sunday. He's George Reister, the NFL vet. I'm Dan Beyer. I still, even having to try to explain it for six minutes, I still don't think of why I did, I did it justice and to get my full point across. But, George, I'm just going to punt. I'm going to punt on explaining why I think 16 seeds will continue to try to uh, upset. <laughs> I, I was saying what I wanted to say, but it was just not getting it out on how I wanted the way it to you say. Wanted it to. <laughs> yeah, like it makes it, it's one of those things where it makes total sense in my mind. And then as I'm explaining it to people, I'm not hitting the points. But yes, there are two 16 seeds that are actually 15 seeds previously. I'll just leave it at that. I know it doesn't make sense. <laughs> But the caliber of those 16 seeds are probably 15 and 14 seeds. This is actually crazy here on Fox Sports Sunday because it's been a little while since uh, George and I got together here on on Fox Sports Sunday. I was out a weekend. George was out a weekend. Dan's I think the been last ducking me. Oh, I don't. I, speaking of ducking, Iowa Sam and Ryan Bershinger. I don't know if you know this story, but the the week of the Super Bowl at Radio Row, a lot is going on. And oh one my weekday, God! Are you one Day. Okay, good. I, I am prepping. Wait. I'm glad you brought George, this up. George, I'm okay, glad I, you brought I, this up. I am prepping on the stage uh, with Doug Gottlieb and Jason Stewart, the Doug Gottlieb Show executive producer. And we're, I don't know, within 30 minutes probably of showtime, but I'm up on the stage and uh, and all of a sudden this person walks up onto our stage at Radio Row and uh, starts talking to Doug. And it is the one and only George Reister. And George and Doug continue to talk. Now I'm standing next to both of them, like two feet away. George is probably looking at me as I'm typing. And I realize, guys, uh, that George doesn't know who I am. He has no clue who I am. And he continues to talk to Doug Gottlieb. So I text Jason Stewart. I say, George doesn't know that, that I'm here. Like, I'm, he's literally looking at me. He doesn't know that it's me. <laughs> and five minutes go by, conversation leaves. And you think George maybe goes, what's up, Dan? How's it going? Nope. George just takes off. And then I have to go, hey, hey. And then, uh, and then I introduced myself. I said, hey, Dan Beyer, I've been doing a Sunday show with you for the last two years. Good to see you, George Reister. George completely blew me off on Radio Row on our own stage. Never heard of Sports Radio. Hold on, hold on, wow. hold on, hold on. See, see, that's, hold up. that's very funny because if you tell the story like, like that, it sounds really bad. Now, now, now tell the folks the rest of the story, Dan. <laughs> what? That you were like, oh, my gosh. No, you, you didn't. You didn't know it was me. You didn't know. Why didn't, didn't I know it was you, Dan? Dan Byer? Um, because we hadn't done a show in person for okay. two years. And, and and why? And why else? I, well, because of my name tag. No. What oh. did you have on your face, Dan? I I don't know. Oh, a mask. A yes. mask. You, yes. You had a mask on All your right. face. Okay. You were in my peripheral vision. <laughs> And, and you had and you did this on purpose, like we'll cut you George made a sure to stay out of my field of vision on <laughs> on purpose. Jeez. And you know that we haven't been around each other I, enough for me to just be, be like, oh yeah, that's Dan's body right there. Uh, I and, purposely turned over my name, my like yes. ID card, so he wouldn't see it after about a minute because I'm like, there's no way I'm letting him see this. Not exactly. So, so, so look, I was, I was set up. <laughs> oh man. Didn't even five minutes with Doug. And then he just left, just ghosted me. Oh, it's been a long, stuff. hard pandemic, Dan. Yeah. By the way, Udonis Haslam says he's not cheering for the dolphins anymore because they uh, may have tanked. 
There was uh, there was that note that I had teased, and uh, the Miami Heat lifer saying uh, thanks but no thanks when it comes to the Miami Dolphins. He's George Reister. I'm Dan Byers. Russell Wilson on the way out. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. NFL free agency on the horizon. Will quarterbacks be moving as well? We dive into that now. Get George on Twitter at George Reister. You can find me on Twitter at Dan Beyer on Fox. George, I honestly, and I have no problem saying this on a national radio show, a sports talk network, that I have uh, zero interest in the NFL combine. I what? do. I do not care. I, I, I tweeted this the other day. NFL Combine. How dare you? I I love the NFL. I love college football. I do not give two cents about the NFL Combine. It Are just you kidding? Yeah, Dude, no, I am dead serious. I went. To, I flew out to the Combine on my own dime, own hotel, just to sit out there and watch it all week, Dan. You sat. You were able to get into the uh, to the stadium, have a good seat, watch the guys work out. Yes, on what? the on the uh, field for a little bit on my own dime, Dan. I okay. just wanted to soak it all in. Why didn't you just go to a Planet Fitness and watch them work out for two hours? You would have saved yourself a lot of money because that's what that's what is going Dan, on right now in Indianapolis. Listen, the numbers Dan, aren't even accurate. I am one hundred percent joking, bro. I was I was I was there, but I was there for I was there for meetings. I was not. I would not pay Ooh, my own dime. Wait a second. Wait a second here for meetings. Interesting. What kind of meetings were you uh, were you having? having in indianapolis uh i sit on a board (laughs) with the joint nfl nfl players association board uh regarding the uh making decisions and policies surrounding how the nfl and the nflpa handle uh mental health issues in the in the league and how the teams can better support the players in terms of you know being as mentally fit as they are physically fit the way some of the issues that maybe we saw this past season either a don't happen or b can be handled uh better after they do you know and we will talk about russell wilson because there was a report uh, a few days ago that one nfl team did make an offer to the seahawks for russell wilson and we'll get into the dominoes of that but this is what it seems to be george and you are much more well equipped to talk about this than than i do but this the 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 combine and what goes on at the combine actually reminds me of what it was like when you were probably playing high school football or middle school football and even when i was doing the same of there were techniques back then that you thought were good like no water breaks you know oh like it was God. you Insanity. know like it, yeah you know oklahoma drill doing that stuff and now you're like those were the worst things that you could do i think now there's been such a change in the combine in terms of the questions that you ask and and the things that you put forth to these prospects, there's been a complete 180 in that where where you aren't asking those. You may ask maybe a weird question here or there, but you aren't asking those personal questions that sometimes cross the line. Yeah, yeah, not at, not at all. And, and, and I think that that's been a little bit of a departure from what used to happen in the past, the guys that, you know, that um, – 
Oh my gosh, why can't I remember his name right now? The receiver for the Cowboys, Des Bryant. Yeah, yeah. That like in some of the other weird questions that were asked to people, I think that once they started to come out and people started to be shamed <laughs> because the because the players were no longer going to keep their secrets, I think that that was a big win for the for the NFL. Because I'm um, well for the NFL and for the uh, players, because now you can't just be be weird. Now you have to actually, you know, um, you know, really be be very, you know, introspective and thoughtful with your questions. But some of the stuff that they have players do is very interesting. Like one of the teams this year brought in a mini hoop, right, okay. and decided that they were going to have players. Uh, play play mini hoop basketball essentially, and just to see how competitive they were. And I'm like, does that really judge competitiveness? <laughs> like, like mini hoop bat basketball? Maybe I don't yeah. like basketball. Yeah, maybe, maybe I, I don't want to compete mini hoop. at everything. Maybe I only want to compete at football and playing the piano. Maybe I only, play, you know what I mean? Like yeah. maybe I compete yeah. hard at video games. Maybe I don't compete hard at some other things because they don't matter to me. I mean, dude, some of this stuff, the, the level of, of, you know, importance that's put on something that is not football related is insanity to me. It's insanity. Did you, uh, did you check out any of the workouts? Were you, was that true that you, you did see some stuff happening, or is that not true? Is that part of the, your, uh, your fib with the workouts? No, no. I, I, I watched it on television sure. just like gotcha. y'all did. I because did not, I, I had the opportunity to go in person, but I was like, why go in person when I can watch it on television? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. I mean, because watching players work out in, in their in their underwear doesn't really help me in terms of, I mean, there, there are certain things that I care about. I want to see the 40-yard dash. That I'm 100% all in on. And I want to see the quarterbacks and wide, wide receivers throw. And so I want to see everybody's 40 and then quarterbacks and wide receivers throw and catch. And that's that's the combine for for me. I don't care about watching the linebackers do the do the bag drills. And then I also want to see like some fantastic performances like Jordan Jordan Davis. That big boy can move. He ran four eight two, I think it was, at three hundred and forty one pounds out of Georgia. He was moving around the bags like a like a cat. And all that does is like scare people because they're like it's like guys who are coming in because they don't necessarily understand how big and fast NFL players are. Because Dan, when I was going through the draft process after the combine and everything, you go on some visits to different teams. I was headed down to New Orleans. I'm in first class. I am. And I see this big guy who's clearly a football player in first class, too. But he looked a little old to be a rookie, so I wasn't sure. So I introduced him. He was like, yeah, I'm to Bucky Jones. I was like, wait, what? I was like, you play safety, don't you? He was like, yeah. I was like, dude, he was bigger than me, Dan. <laughs> He's now three Bucky. That's what he is. He wasn't two Bucky. He was three Bucky. Yeah. 
Yeah, dude, yeah. he was bigger than I was like. Are the, I, I I asked him straight. Up, I was like, all, are all the safeties your size? He was like, Nah, man, I'm I'm way big for the for for the position. I was like, Okay, because I was like, because I played big time college football and I never saw safeties that looked like this, so I wasn't sure. In the NFL, all of them when Jordan like Davis him. did the broad jump. You know, like, you know, he set a record. It was, I think, like 10 feet or something. I mean, but just to see that, I did see that. Like, stuff like that is crazy. I just can't sit there and sit back on my couch and continue to watch it and over and over and over. It is just, again, I love college football. I love the NFL as well. But when these two worlds meet in the combine, and I'm, and I'm all about looking at mock drafts. I love two-round mock drafts. I love the 2023 mock drafts that are out there. But there's just something about this combine that I uh, just am, am not a, a huge fan of. I told the story that I had to cover one about eight years ago, eight or not, nine years ago now is in 2013, one of the worst draft classes you could ever have just for for the amount of stars or lack thereof that actually came from that draft class. But as reporters, we weren't even allowed to go and watch the workouts. You had to really? sign up like, oh, with the yeah, Pro Football Writers yeah. Association. They were trying to keep and, everything super yeah. cl- clandestine at that point. They are like, yeah, yeah, we, this, is, this is proprietary business here, people. Listen, ain't nothing proprietary. I mean, like, look, every it's fine if everybody knows how fast everybody ran. I am not a fan of the combine. I am a fan of the rumors that come out from the combine. We heard from the coaches and the GMs for most of the week, uh, most of the coaches and GMs for that matter. Pete Carroll on Wednesday said that, yeah, they have fielded calls and people are calling, but they uh, – you know, don't plan on trading Russell Wilson. And now a report surfaced, uh, I believe Pro Football Talk, saying that the Washington Commanders made a – no, it was NFL Network, sorry, made a very strong offer to the Seahawks for Russell Wilson, and talks did not go very far. And to me, I, th- I think that's what I felt, and I think that we've talked about it at least this offseason. I just – I don't think that there's going to be that movement that we – thought we could see or that we saw with Tom Brady and Matthew Stafford and those guys moving. I think that the movement of Stafford and the free agency move that allowed Brady to go to to Tampa, I think those are going to be more of the exceptions than the rules. And and maybe maybe we just – It's harder to move, you know, a big-name quarterback because the teams are so invested in, you know, I got to get – like to to sell this to the fan base, I I I have to get you know four first draft round draft picks plus yeah. plus you you, you know your their unborn children like that that's what I have to get to make this you know sell for you know to my to my fan base. So I think that that is one of the things that you know that teams really focus on when it comes to trading players. Because they don't want to look bad in in this case. I also think, George, there's this part of it as well where there are GMs that don't want to have the label of being the person who traded so-and-so. And for as much as Brian Gutekunst and Aaron Rodgers maybe didn't get along in the past, there is still that point of... Do you want to be the guy that traded Aaron Rodgers? Is that is that who you want to be? Or if you're John Schneider, do you really want to be the guy that traded Russell Wilson? And I think that there's there's something to that. It's different when Matthew Stafford goes to management and they both agree, you know what, it's probably best for a you know a fresh start for both of us, and you move on from that. Bill Belichick has enough 
cachet built up where and Tom Brady does too to want to leave and Bill Belichick to allow him to leave where that scenario happens. But the free reign of quarterbacks in the NFL, I'm starting to think that was maybe more of the one-off and that the that even if you were to give the Seahawks Again, as you said, three or four first-round picks. They are the unborn child. You don't know what you are getting, and you don't know anything about it. And you don't know how that's going to affect your uh, to affect your team. And even in this draft class, George, specifically to this draft class, which is not thought to be one of the stronger draft classes that we've seen, I also think actually this year specifically you wouldn't see as much movement because maybe those picks just aren't as valuable unless you needed a pass rusher well, and you you know really thought you could you know get Kayvon Thibodeau you know in the top five or, or 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 whatever but otherwise I think that teams would rather just maybe wait a different year and and use that pick oh, in a stronger and, draft class and I think that well at the quarterback position in particular but if you look at the other positions, there are plenty. There's plenty to be to be had, which actually, especially at the wide receiver position, which is going to impact how the free agent wide wide receiver market moves. But that's why we saw so many teams last year jump up and reach up for for quarterbacks because they knew that you know that this year may not be the year to try to get a quarterback. So so they reached up and jumped up last year and got quarterbacks. So, mm-hmm. you know, so we will see how the movement continues to happen this year. But, you know, like you're not going to have as many quarterbacks drafted this year. But next year, they're looking forward to next year with C.J. Stroud and, you Bryce know, Bryce Young. Young yep. And if Spencer Rattler can have a good year. And then there's the other two or three guys that pop up throughout the year that are, that are going to put their name in that conversation too. So in 2023, you might see five or six first-round quarterbacks. Bo Nix. He's George Reister. I'm Dan Beyer. This is Fox. What? Come on. Gascon was giving you some Bo Nix a little bit earlier. Nope. What? Nope, nothing, I'm, nothing I'm, there. I'm not, follow, I'm not falling for you guys' <laughs> shenanigans today. Get George Reister on Twitter at George Reister. You can find me on Twitter, Dan Byer at Dan Byer on Fox. If cold candidate calls aren't turning into hot hiring leads, then you need Indeed because Indeed's powerful hiring platform makes it easy to attract, screen, and interview candidates all from one place. Find your next great hiring. Uh, find your next great hire visiting Indeed.com/slash/credit. He is George Reister. I'm Dan Beyer. While there's been a lot of movement going on at the NFL Combine, there hasn't been the same when it comes to Major League Baseball's lockout. We'll get the latest on that next year on Fox Sports Sunday. Fox Sports Sunday. He's George Reister. I'm Dan Beyer. Glad to have you with us on Fox Sports Radio. If you ever missed the show, just go to foxsportsradio.com. Click on the podcast link and look for Fox Sports Radio Weekends, and that's where you can catch up. That's where you can also download the podcast of one Bernie Fratto that you can hear on Straight Out of Vegas and the uh, late night show here on Fox Sports Radio. Early Sunday morning, late Saturday night, depending where you are in this country. Bernie Fratto, who has covered many an event in his career joins us now here on Fox Sports Radio to talk about the latest happenings or lack thereof in the lockout in Major League Baseball. Bernie, what is going on? Well, gentlemen, as Vince Scully would say, good afternoon on this beautiful cerulean blue sky Sunday. 
<laughs> no one, no one's going to be playing center field for a while. It seems like the uh, union and owners uh, meeting to, uh, again today in a response uh, from the union to the owner's proposal earlier this week. Uh, nothing got done. Deadlocked is the word that we see thrown out there. What actually happened today in talks that you know? Yeah, spot on, Dan. So uh, the two most highly charged aspects of this CBA are the CBT luxury tax, which is near and dear to the players. They're trying to get that threshold raised as high as they can because it's dragged the last 10 years. And among the owners, they very much want a 14-team playoff. As a matter of fact, they already have a TV deal with ESPN in principle that's predicated on 14 teams. And if they don't get that, uh, they'll lose about 20% of that revenue. So the hope and belief was that the union might revisit the 14-team playoff and that that would open the door for a more, uh, you know, two-way discussion on increasing the CBT. The problem is the 14-team playoff is fraught with potholes. I'll give you one example. The union, if they were to implement a 14-team playoff is insistent on this thing called a ghost win, which means the team with the higher seed in a five-game series would be, would begin with a 1-0 series lead. That's an anathema to the owners. They'll never agree with that, and it's been done in the Korean Baseball League since 2015, and every single time the team that started out with the 1-0 ghost win went on to win the series. So it's become a non-starter. So when they got to the table today, the only thing that was substantively talked about was that the players said okay we'll reduce our demand for the pre-r bonus pool which i can explain in a minute from 85 million to 80 they were obstinate the mood has now devolved back into a test of wills a game of chicken a game of crusade unlike the 16-hour negotiating session they had last monday so you can say they slightly regressed today yeah, and i i had a feeling that that would that that was going to happen because player because the players seem very galvanized and they're not going to take a pre-arbitration pool of you know of like of what the owners are offering you know 30 million dollars i think they're going to have to get 60 million plus for us to get anywhere close to a deal am am, am i right there i think you are right george uh, at least thereabouts and here's why let's give this some context this was introduced by the players union because their mission heading into the CBA was to take care of the young guys, the zero to three players who aren't arbitration eligible yet. So they said, why don't we create a bonus pool? So if a young George Reister, Dan Beyer, rookie year, go out, hit 42 home, run, home runs, driving 100, your team wins uh, the playoffs, you're, you should get some kind of bonus. So the player said, why don't we start with 120 million, have it affect as many as 150 players? The owners say, okay, you know, we'll consider that concept. Why don't we start with $10 million and maybe we'll have it affect 30 players. That's not negotiating, okay? That's peeing on each other's shoes. Finally, the owners came up a little. The players came down, and when they broke last Monday, the owners actually got, got up to $30 million and the players dropped to $85 million. Somewhere in the middle, I think, would get this thing done, but both sides are obstinate about that as well right now. Well, quickly, I... 
I do not understand why players in baseball don't hold out like they do in other sports. Because if I were a player like Shohei Otani, who's made in his in his seasons less than he's made two seasons less than a million dollars, and this season and one season his first year with a signing bonus of you know like three or four million, and now this year he's slated to make what under five. And I'm like, I would not throw another pitch for the Angels after winning an MVP without getting a new contract. So why don't players do that more in baseball? Spoken like a former player. It's it's a little too convoluted to get deep into that in this conversation. But I will tell you this, George. Uh, there is a moral component to these negotiations that make it ever danger, uh, ever dangersome. And I'll tell you what I mean by that. A little bit of latitude. One of the issues is that the owners try to hold off paying the young players until they have to. They don't have a they don't have a hammer until they get to arbitration after year three or, or uh, free agency after year six. So what they've done is they've manipulated service time. The most notable case, and I'm sure Dan remembers back in 2015 with Chris, Chris Bryant. Bryant. Yep. Right. Chris, so, and you too know. So Chris Bryant was all set to be called up after spring training. He was ready to step into the lineup, all those things. Now, what did the Cubs do? They manipulated his service time. Here's what that means. One year of service in Major League Baseball equals 172 days. Once you accumulate that, you have one full year of service that counts towards your six. By holding Chris Bryan out until April 16th, he accumulated exactly 171 days of service that year, one day short. That's dirty pool. That's the moral component. Now, Shohei Otani understands the game when he gets into it. And the minimum salary now, actually, I think this is a win for the players, has been negotiated up to seven hundred grand per season versus five seventy-five. So that's not a bad win for a guy like Shohei, who's special. He's going to ratchet past that original minimum salary anyway. But still, the owners are going to save as much money as they can, kind of like a rookie year on a quarterback in the NFL, until they absolutely have to pay. And that's just the dirty game that's being played. Bernie Fratto, Fox Sports Radio host. Find him on Twitter, at Bernie Fratto, talking with us here on Fox Sports Sunday about the Major League Baseball lockout that continues. He's George Reister. I'm Dan Beyer. Bernie, I remember the 1995 Final Four in Seattle, Washington, and them and CBS uh, uh, almost taking a break and talking about how the strike was coming to an end. Are we going to have that same scenario at the 2022 Final Four uh, where we're going to find out that this lockout has come to an end? Do you expect this to go on another month between these two sides? That's an excellent question, and that's possible because the people I talk to uh, that are honest don't believe we'll have baseball in April, but I don't think it'll slip past June 1st. So it looks like there's going to be some time in May, and they're going to require four weeks of spring training, and that's a good memory by you. And what happened, Dan, back in 1995, what brought that strike, and that was a strikeout. This is a lockout. There's a qualitative difference. What brought that strike to an end in 95 was a federal judge. Sonia Sotomayor, who ordered the teams back on the field and restored the CBA to its prior year. If it takes a federal judge to do this again, it's probably going to go past April. But I would say the time frame you're looking at is reasonable, Dan. It's a good question, and I'll tell you why. Because people think the owners are cavalier, don't care if they cancel games. There's some element to truth, and the players, believe me, they're solidified every bit as much as they were in 94 when they canceled the World Series. But know this, guys. Every game that is lost is costing the players' union $21 million cumulatively in salary every day. 
And every game that's lost after the season starts in a short amount of time, owners are going to have to be submitting rebates back to the regional TV partners. So at some point, the pain inflicted by each side will start to rise to the level to where they have to say, okay, this is no more going to be worth it. It's going to be a Pyrrhic victory. And at some point, I will not say cooler heads will prevail, but at some point there'll be a detente and we'll get baseball back. A day, a detente. I love that word that you that you chose for for this, and a, a lot of this could have been avoided, I think, because sure. they waited, you know, so long after the lockout started to submit a proposal. Why do you think that that was the route that the owners took? Boy, that's a sixty-four dollar question. So uh, let me unpack this. So December first. The owners locked out the players. Why did they do that? Because they didn't want to repeat in 94 when the CBA expired on January 1st of 94 and they agreed to negotiate in good faith, but the owner, the players ended up striking and canceling the World Series, and you know all about that. So Rob Manfred, who has really established himself uh, as an inartful communicator, not particularly brilliant frontman, although he is a great negotiator and he's bought and paid for by the owners, he said that by locking them out December 1st, that would jumpstart negotiations. Why they waited 43 days for their first negotiation is beyond any of us. You get to the 90th day, which is last February, and finally, after all this teeth gnashing, you actually have 16 hours of negotiations. But that should have taken three weeks. And I will tell you this, that the union was never comfortable with this artificial deadline that the owners imposed. That cast a pall over the room. If I talk to certain people that are a little bit more cynical than I am, I'm not quite cynical yet. They believe that part of the owner's strategy is to be willing to miss a few games because they believe they'll curry favor in the court of public opinion, saying the owners are, or the players are greedy again. In 1994, New York Times did a poll, and 80% of the people sided with the owners. This time, an informal poll was done last week, and 60% side with the players people have seen enough netflix episodes now billionaires aren't exactly cool they're kind of <laughs> nefarious they're kind of rude they not only want their share they want half of yours and by the way only nine owners of this crop remain from 1994 and this new class of 21 are i understand a little bit more hard ass He's Bernie Fratto. You can hear him here on Fox Sports Radio. Also straight out of Vegas. Get him on Twitter at Bernie Fratto. Bernie, we love the insight. We love you. We appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, hopefully we don't have to reach out again to talk uh, lockout. (laughs) We can talk about something else. Thanks, guys, for having me on. Enjoy your day. Author of the book, The View from the Cheap Seats. I also uh, encourage you to go and get that book as well. George is back in the hot seat for Easy as One, Two, Three, Four. But first, we want to let you know that today's show is brought to you by one of our favorite cities, Las Vegas, your home for live sports. And that means all sports, every game, match, race, and competition. It is always on. Now go on and plan your trip at visitlasvegas.com to see the best and brightest in Vegas, the greatest arena on earth. David Gascon's here to give us the latest of what's happening on this Sunday. What's going on, Dave? Dan, I had gotten a phone call about 15, 20 minutes ago, and it was from a family member just talking about some some interesting things. And uh, in the middle of the phone call, Iowa Sam decides to run into my studio, interrupt the phone conversation to tell me the uh, women from Iowa beat Indiana. Big Ten champs. Right. How ugly, is that? How ugly does that sound? Sounds pretty Jeez. good to me. I don't know. I, really I did not run Indiana. into your studio either. Second straight off hey, Dave is hey, taking but, a uh, shot but, uh, at Sam. You can tell him that, that Wisconsin lost, though. That's, well, 
Well, but Dan isn't a Wisconsin fan. Iowa's not a Wisconsin backer. You could tell Dan that Michigan beat the But see, you know what? Like, Dan and, and Iowa Sam are not like SCC honks, where, you know, if they if they root for Auburn or Georgia or Bama uh, and they lose, <laughs> they're still not rooting for the conference. No. Yeah. I, I don't think so, anyway. I could be dead wrong. No, you're, you're, you're right. The SEC changed it all, though, when they started that stupid SEC chant. <laughs> yeah. You like, saw I Auburn never fans cheered. with an SEC sign at the yeah. Auburn game against, uh, what was it, Arkansas? Or no, I mean, I'm sorry. It was uh, uh, South Carolina. Yes, oh, it's, it's the bad. worst. They were whole, yeah. swinging around in SEC signs. Like, come on. Yeah, that's not acceptable. But yeah, Iowa Sam running into my studio. Classless. No, I use the um, intercom like a professional. Well, yeah, I mean, I was fibbing a little bit. Iowa Sam <laughs> does not run. He, uh, you know, I in walk here. briskly. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah. Guys, Michigan State was blowing out Maryland. And then Maryland came back, almost pulled off an upset, but they fall by 10, 77 to 67. Michigan State was up by 20 at the end of the first half in that affair. Uh, a bunch of teams that have punched their ticket and also some teams trying to pull off some upsets. Georgia just mentioned it with Wisconsin losing Nebraska, their 10th one of the season. 74 to 73 was the final score. Missouri Valley Conference goes to Lila Chicago. They upended Drake. NBA today, Jason Tatum with 54. Celtics needed all of it. They beat Brooklyn 126 to 120. Chris Middleton went off for 44. Milwaukee 132. Phoenix 122 was the final on that one. End of the first quarter in Washington. Wizards 30. Pacers 26. Um, guys, I don't know if you saw the reports earlier today. I assume you have, but Major League Baseball looking at some pitch clocks. 14 seconds with no runners on board and 19 seconds with runners on. How about Man. that? Uh, I I, I think it's the least of their problems. <laughs> I, I don't. That is going to make stealing so much more uh, prevalent, especially if timely. they enlarge the bases too. I don't know about this foul. I do not know about. Would this. you guys be more inclined for this or automated umpires? Oh God! Oh, I I hate the idea of automated umpires. Yeah. I hate it with the power of a thousand suns, dude. It, that like the the human element is one thing that that is necessary and then just wait until there's a calibration issue on one of these machines oh god dude it, 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 they're gonna be trying to act like they're playing poker and asking for a new setup <laughs> they're gonna be like hey 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 we need a new a, a new setup on the machine a new calibration <laughs> it didn't account for the height of this player it's gonna get bad it is Fox Sports Sunday. He's George Reister. Uh, we, I'm Dan Beyer. We are going to strike up the hot seat right now. We got to get it going. Easy as one, two, three, four is here. David Gascon cannot go far. Ryan Bersinger is our executive producer. Iowa Sam is our technical producer. They serve as the lifelines for George as he tries to get a perfect score of 10 out of the four topics that I give him. And again, he doesn't have to get all of the correct answers, just has to get some of them. Let's strike up the band and get this going because we are running a little behind. Last week, George, as you were out, the crew actually did it as a team, got 8 of 10. 8 of 10 for okay. easy as 1, 2, 3, 4. So your goal today is to beat last week's score of 8. How does that sound? Oh, that's easy work. Easy All right. Work. Now you maybe have turned your lifelines against you. Maybe you don't want to hear what yep. they have to say. Let's, let's start this out, George. Name one of two... Of the oldest players in the NBA entering this season. 
So I need one of the two oldest Udonis players in Haslam. the NBA. Udonis Haslam. Final is, answer. Is that that is your final answer? Show me Udonis Haslam. That is correct. Udonis Haslam, number one on that list. Andre Godala was actually second, then Carmelo Anthony. Then you had LeBron James. But yep. Udonis Haslam, who we mentioned earlier in the show. Yes, George has one we did point. Need two of two. <laughs> All right, George, name two of three NFL head coaches that aren't in Indianapolis for the NFL Combine. There are three coaches that did not show up. Give me two of the three. Okay. Now, I know for sure for a one, I know that there was Sean McVay for sure didn't go because he said he was trying to put together the rest of his staff. And, oh, and and the other one. Um, and I was actually talking to my former first tight end coach who is on this man's staff and he was in Indianapolis, but his head coach was not. And that was Mike Tomlin. And, um, and Kyle Shanahan also missed as well. If I remember correctly. All right. Well, we've got three answers there. Uh, we'll, uh, I would just Sean... take all three. Sir. Okay. All right. Sean, Mc... show me Sean McVay. All right. Show me Kyle Shanahan. There it is. You got two of the points. I didn't, uh... From all of my information, Robert Sala was the other one that wasn't there. But if you're saying Mike Tomlin wasn't there, you got two. I'm giving you the two. George is three for three to start this one out. Ooh, we've got a we got a tasty one coming up next. I'm going to let you simmer on that. George okay. Reister right now, three for three in easy as one, two, three, four, and has all of his lifelines available. Can he beat last week's score of eight set by the crew? And can he get that perfect score of 10? Find out next. He's George Reister. I'm Dan Byer. This is Fox Sports Sunday. Fox Sports Sunday. He's George Reister. I'm Dan Byer. Glad to have you with us. George has got a perfect game going right now here on Fox Sports Radio in the game of easy as one, two, three, four. Okay? Easy as one, two, three, four. George, are you ready to go? Do we have George? Did, did George just punt after uh, going no, dude, three? I'm okay. right here. There we are. The mute button. The good old mute button came <laughs> back. And <laughs> welcome back, mute button. It's been a welcome while. Welcome to 2022. It, it is. It is 2022. That is that, that is, is the first for sure. appearance of the mute button. Oh, all right. Uh, here we go, George. Okay. Name three of four teams. Aside from the Miami Heat that make up the South Division in the NBA. The Southeast South- the Southeast Division. Sorry if I didn't say that completely. The Southeast Division of the NBA. Aside from the Miami Heat, name three of the four teams that make up the Southeast Division. Oh my God, Dan. This is a terrible question because nobody pays attention to divisions in the <laughs> but, NBA. Thank and you. when you were oh. out, George, this was the one that stumped the crew last week when we did the Northwest Division in the Western Conference. So the oh, crew well, is available. I can get it easier in the West in the Western Conference. But uh Okay, so, so you said not the Miami Heat, right? Yes, not the Miami Heat. Okay, so I know for sure that the Atlanta Hawks are in that division. So I'm I'm going for sure Atlanta Hawks. I'm wondering. I know that you know teams like the Bucks, Bulls, uh, 
Cleveland isn't in there, like, cause they're all too far north and it's very regional. Oh God, maybe Orlando. And you then got some I'm help. Gonna call, you, know, you got some lifelines. Yeah, if yeah, you yeah, want. yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna go with. I'm not going with Iowa Sam because it's not college sports. Hey. Uh, I'm gonna go with Ryan Bershinger. <sighs> Man, I really, I really want to not help you just because we got the, the division question wrong last week. But I will. I'm going to. I want to prove myself that I that I do know these things. Um, so Orlando, the Orlando Magic. Uh huh. Um, we're at what Hawks Magic, uh, the Hornets. Um, okay, I can I can accept that because they would either be in there or the mm-hmm. yeah because they're not in the Atlantic because that because that's all like Northeast teams. Yeah, yeah, so I will accept the Charlotte Hornets. Okay. So, okay, so I guess we'll go Hawks, Hornets, and uh, Magic. Hawks, Hornets, and Magic. Okay, show me the Atlanta Hawks. There they are. The Atlanta Hawks are there. Show me the Charlotte Hornets. Yes, the Charlotte Hornets are there. And show me the Orlando Magic. There it is. All right. Wizards are there. Or the Wizards in the Atlantic. The Wizards are in the Southeast. They are correct. That is correct. Because then you have the uh, Sixers, Nets, Knicks, Celtics, and Raptors in what would be the Atlantic division. Okay. So, all right. Here we go. Perfect score is on the line. Are you ready? Are you ready for this? Yes, sir. Okay. Name four of five, ready for this, states that represent the Big South Conference either as full members or associate members. So the Big South, remember earlier in the show, we mentioned a university from the Big South Conference. I need four of the five states. Okay, Okay, Virginia. Okay, so we have Virginia. I know that, like that the oh God that there's some Carolina teams in there. So I'm gonna go with Virginia. Some of the like directional Carolina schools, and all I need are the states. That's all I need. So, and I'm assuming South Carolina just because they're right next to each okay. other. So I'm going to go with Iowa State, Iowa Sam. I'm going to go with Virginia, North Carolina, and South Carolina. And then do you have any other suggestions? Yeah. Uh, so um, I was thinking, yeah, South Carolina I like. Uh, did you say North Carolina? Yes. Yeah, both mm. of them. I'm going to say Florida, too. Florida? Current? Full yeah. members or associate members of the Big South Conference? I don't even know all the schools that are in the Big South, so that, I, that's that's part of the you know part of the challenge. And Virginia, okay. of course, Virginia, yeah, North Carolina, yeah, so, South Carolina, and Florida. All right, so now we got to go to um, uh, to Mister David David Gascon. That um, you took a shot at us earlier, so I'm going to say California. <laughs> Oh my God! When I think of the South, I think California. What happens when you take shots uh, at the crew? I knew it. I knew it was going to come back. Come on, we're all in this oh together. Let's win this. Let's win this bread. Hawaii, definitely a southern what? state. Are you really? Are you really doing this? 
I'm doing it. Oh, man, this is good stuff. Okay, I am going to go with, I mean, Florida sounds so out of pocket. Well, why, okay. though? It's, it's a southern state. I mean, you know, they're in the SEC. Big south. It's a big south down there. Got less than a minute, guys. All right, I'm going to go with those, and then I'm going to go with West Virginia, too. Just, <laughs> okay, all right. No, hold on, hold on, hold on. What's, what, what's there? West Virginia, what? Oh, my God. West Virginia, forget it. Show yep. me Virginia. Show me North Carolina. Show me South Carolina. And for the perfect game, is it West Virginia? No! You should have taken Florida. Uh, you should have taken Georgia or oh. Pennsylvania. Oh, oh, wow. Mercer, what? an associate member, and Robert Morris, an associate <laughs> member of the Big South. Nine of ten, still Damn. not something. Uh, yeah, well, you should be proud of that. Good job, George Reister. Good job. He's George Reister. Working I'm Dan Byer. Tours. More Fox Sports Sunday next. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. A week from now, we will have a bracket. So we are now under a week from having a 68-team field in college basketball. Cannot wait. Should be a magnificent week and can't wait till the brackets are released next Sunday. By the way, if you're out and about, don't worry. We will have you covered right here on Fox Sports Sunday. As the brackets are released, we will let you know what the matchups will be in the field of 68. Should also be an interesting week in the NFL. How about we talk some Aaron Rodgers, George Reister? How about that? I know you're excited to talk about Rodgers. Oh, (laughs) Oh. Oh. let's 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 talk about Aaron Rodgers all right I I can't be the only person who is sick and tired of sick and tired of talking about Aaron Rodgers no actually I I am I am getting to that level I still think that there's some interesting stuff I'll just say this because there is another quarterback making headlines and I don't know if the media is being fair to uh to that quarterback either but I do think in a way that no matter what with Aaron Rodgers, it's a damned if you do, damned if you don't, where if you are talking about it all the time or if you go on Pat McAfee, they're like, why are you talking about it, blah, blah, blah. Then if you don't say anything, then you're like, why are you not saying anything? Are you still making up your mind? I do think that this decision is strung out a lot longer than I thought. I thought it was going to be a quick decision, meaning like a week or two after the season. Apparently quick for Aaron was compared to his decision last year where he thinks within the first two months of the offseason he can make the decision. It's just gone on a while and without a lot happening in regard to even rumors of a possible deal or whatever, I can understand why I can uh, grind the gears a little bit of some that we're talking about him when nothing is happening. Dude, it was just it was just the NFL combine. It's not even Aaron Rodgers' time. This it's not the, the offseason league year hasn't started anything. And then and I'm not gonna blame Ian Rappaport for for this. He's just doing his job. Sure. Uh but the whole idea and then it blew up on social media. Oh my god, Aaron Rodgers is unsure about where he wants to play next year. What? Okay. And like call call us when we're when we're sure. 
And I'm like, where did that piece of information come from? Like, was that a, you know, a text to Aaron Rodgers or his representation? Hey, yo, we don't know. Uh, yo, do, does Aaron know where he wants to play? No, he's unsure. He's torn right now. Like, bro, like, we don't want to hear about your torn. We show us, show us the baby. Don't keep trying to show us the bathwater. It, it's he's playing the media like a fiddle. I will no longer be fiddled. The uh, the lack of of conversation from Aaron Rodgers can get people talking, but when people talk and when quarterbacks talk, it gets people talking as well. And Lamar Jackson spoke recently, George, appearing on the Shop, uh, the LeBron James Group uh, led show that features Maverick Carter, L- uh, Lamar Jackson, the Ravens quarterback, was well. L- let's play the exchange. You're going to hear a lot of Maverick Carter, and then you're going to hear some Lamar Jackson. And this was the exchange that they had in the episode that you can catch on YouTube that you can see or that ended up premiering on Friday. The truth is, there's a lot of history with them not wanting black guys to play quarterback. In football? Yeah. Tons of history. It started with, oh, they can't think quick enough. This, like, this is going way back, 70s, 80s, and it's still, it's dying off. Every day, y'all give me more reasons to. It's dying off, but it's still there. It's still there. That's why I need that championship. That's why I need that championship. That was the exchange uh, with LeBron James. You heard his voice. Maverick Carter was the one who was doing most of the talking. But then you heard Lamar respond, it's still there. Do you agree with Lamar Jackson that the racial bias is still in the NFL? Yes, but it's but here's the thing. It's it's not only with 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 fair skinned people <laughs> the, I was talking to. This is how crazy that this is and how ingrained that these type of ideas are in certain areas. I was talking to a black guy a few years ago. I remember I was at Marcellus Wiley's birthday party. Uh, we, we were at a winery. And the dude says, so we were talking about quarterbacks and who you would choose and who you would take and all of this stuff. Right. And he was like, don't give me no black quarterback. He was like, they don't win, win Super Bowls. And I was like, what are you talking about, bro? Like there haven't been the type of opportunities for black quarterbacks as there have been for, for white quarterbacks in terms of availability and and access and he said and he was like it doesn't matter and i was like well well russell wilson won a super bowl and he was like it doesn't count he he combs his hair and he doesn't brush it and he was dead serious really like that was and i'm like do you not like it's it's almost like and he said the same thing with black coaches too i don't want a black coach they don't win super bowls there haven't been that many. Like, what do you like? Like the that's what that was like mind blowing. I wanted to punch this dude in the face. Like, it made me so mad because, like, yes, he's right. There haven't been very many black quarterbacks to win the Super Bowl, but also there haven't been a ton of black quarterback. Like, like if you look at the history of the NFL, I would venture to say conservatively. 85% of the starting quarterbacks have been white. 85, if not more, sure. right? Sure, yeah. If not yes. more. Correct. So, so, yes, you're – and then if you look before the 80s, aside from, you know, one-offs like Shaq Harris and other guys, there were none in the league. So then you come up with a guy like Randall Cunningham. You had Warren Moon, who didn't even get in the NFL, had to go to Canada first. 
And so when you look at the amount that there are, like, yes, that's why you haven't had very many winners. And are you going to start having more and more winners? Absolutely, because there's more of them starting it. So so, yes, he is right about the and a lot of it has to do with Lamar. His situation, Dan, is a little bit different because he's so athletic, so hyper athletic that you had people like Bill Polian wonder if he should change positions mm-hmm. coming out of out of college. Yeah. Like, and and so, yes, there is an element of of coaches who are older for the most part that don't necessarily understand how to use such a dynamic athlete at quarterback like their mind can't envision how to do it because they because they never did it so when you have somebody like Greg Roman his offensive coordinator at you know Baltimore and Harbaugh understand this you know he wants to win to just destroy that stigma so I understand why he said what he said I I think that the the key thing is to your point, like with as you said with with Lamar, Lamar was was so unique in just on how to, how just his with his with his speed. I don't know if we've we had seen a guy take over college football the way that that he did. And to your point of having the coaches not being imaginative enough to figure out a way. I think some of that is old school mentality, and that is a, a bias as well. But of trying to think of a of a skill set with that player and having the speed that he had, and being like, "Wow, we've only seen speed at a wide receiver position like that." Like, I get, I, I get that. I'm not saying it's right or wrong, but to your point, like these coaches aren't they're they're in the dark ages in terms of scheme. Basically, yes. is 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 what I'm trying to say. The part about that I think is interesting, though, is we just. Like I look at Kyler Murray as an example, and your buddy that you, that you were talking to and saying, you know, what Russell Wilson does in combing his hair is is crazy. I mean, it, Back, it truly is like it's it's ass backwards, dude. Like like nobody thinks that Russell Wilson is anything but a black guy. Yeah. And and the thing is, is I don't think anybody though was looking at Kyler Murray and being like, can Kyler Murray play a different position? Correct. You know, so I think like like I, I, I'll give the NFL credit. I'm not saying that they're perfect or at least the people that are decision makers. And I think that we are seeing quite a change with uh, with all of the new blood that's in where we didn't have that conversation. And I know Lamar Jackson hasn't been in the league that long and they were only a draft class apart. But it wasn't like every African-American quarterback was asked to play wide receiver. I think Correct. that it was more about scheme wise. And what I think is unique about this and with the headlines is. As I said with Aaron Rodgers, it's, you know, damned if you do, damned if you don't. The headlines about this piece in all of the places that I've read is Lamar Jackson says racial bias in quarterbacks, quote, still there. But when you hear the context of what is being said and Maverick Carter or LeBron or whoever it was is saying, like, it's it's gotten better or it's changed. I think that's another part of the conversation that's very, very important. And for yes, Lamar, who's said- very disingenuous how it was portrayed in, yes. a, in a lot of out, outlets for sure. And and I just think that, you know, for Lamar, who's going to be in a contract, you know, situation with the Ravens and figuring out, I don't think it's necessarily necessarily fair, but I, th- to him that, that those comments are portray- portrayed that way. But when you actually listen to the, you know, to that article and that exchange, 
I think it's a much more factual. I don't think that it's explosive. I think that no. it's more of an understood sort of thing that there are steps that need to be taken, even though it's crazy to think, but that, that is the case. But that's this can get taken out of context and be pushed one way where I don't think that's where the conversation was going. And that's a problem in itself. Yes. Yeah. Because it was like, oh, oh, here's here's an opportunity at a juicy headline. And you're like, there was there wasn't anything juicy about what he said. Mm hmm. Yeah. You know, you know, it's funny because I always when you're talking, we always think of white quarterback. This is this is the, the bias that you say white quarterbacks, uh, you know, smart, don't run well, but they could throw the football around African-American quarterbacks, uh, you know, running quarterbacks. I remember your guy, Darren Thomas at Oregon. He was the last guy you would want running the football. Correct. You did you not know? want it. Yeah, you were like, no, no. He, <laughs> yes. he, he's not going to pull it and run it. Yeah, Why? look at Dwayne Haskins. You know, like, I mean, my quarterback I got pick. drafted with in Jacksonville, Byron Leftwich. He was he couldn't run away from he couldn't run away from Michael Myers in a scary yeah. movie. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah, so this this bias is there is unique because it does go both ways. Like it's I know it's mostly a negative in terms of it, but there are there are situations where they're like the, the, the guys are getting credit for being running quarterbacks when they are anything but. And uh, look you know? at Josh Allen. Look at yes, Steve Young. Yes. Look at like like oh hey hey those white pocket passes. No dude, it's an individual thing. Like it's 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 like people. Oh, listen, listen, white, white, white running backs don't happen. Okay, are you looking at Christian McCaffrey? Oh, white wide receivers. Are you looking at you know Jordy Jordy Nelson? Are you looking at Hunter Renfro who's excelling a thousand yards? You look like come on, come on, man. This is an individual thing. Yeah. It truly is Cooper Cup. I mean, yep. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Just, just, just the guy who, who caught more balls than anybody has, and touchdowns, and uh, in the playoffs and everything than anybody in any season ever. Yeah, okay. I don't think that there is anything blasphemous uh, from the comments, and when you hear them and when you read them, and it's funny because it's the headline, and the headline draws you in, but when you actually read it, it's a completely, completely different story. He's George Reister. I'm Dan Beyer. This is Fox Sports Sunday. Get George on Twitter at George Reister. You can find me on Twitter at Dan Beyer on Fox. Hiring, heating up. Indeed's hiring platform makes it easy to attract, screen, and interview candidates all in one place. Sponsor a post and instantly receive a short list of quality candidates on Indeed whose resumes match your job description. Visit Indeed.com slash credit. Did the Lakers finally find a recipe for success? That next year on Fox Sports Sunday. Fox Sports Sunday, he's George Reister, I'm Dan Beyer. It's a double-edged sword when you're dealing with the Los Angeles Lakers, night in and night out. And last night, George, if you are a Lakers fan, it was uh, it was quite a night because LeBron James had 56 points as the Lakers in primetime TV on ABC topped the Golden State Warriors 124 to 116. Afterwards, LeBron saying they were fueled by desperation as the Lakers are just holding on to that ninth spot in the West. And I just sit back as a non-Lakers fan, and I know you're a Lakers fan, but as someone who doesn't uh, really have anything invested into the team, it just it it amazes yeah. me, George. Not that LeBron James would score 56 points a night, night in and night out in the NBA, but it was to me of 
now is desperation. And I'm not trying to like pick apart his words, but I think one of the things that I've I've seen and why booze came out uh, at at uh, Crypto.com Arena, almost called it Staples, but why booze were coming out from the fans were basically because of effort on the Lakers. And this is what I think just proves their point. And so while it's great to see LeBron go out there and have 56 and and beat one of the top teams in the West and one of the top teams in the NBA, it has you scratching your head on why there haven't been other performances like these like these against teams that maybe aren't as good as Golden State. Well, I mean, the the clear the solution for the Lakers is very clear, Dan. How to how to win games? Just have LeBron James score score fifty six every night. That's <laughs> that's how you win. Simple. That's how you win Done. basketball games. I don't I don't understand what's so difficult about this, dude. Look, see they they put up. This is the thing that is so enormously frustrating about this team that even without Anthony Davis, they put on good performances at times against really good teams. And then they'll play the Kings and get, you know, or the Pelicans and get their heads beat in. Mm-hmm. And you're like, what? Those are the games you're supposed to win. Just, just win those games until Anthony Davis comes, comes back and everything will be fine. You don't even have to beat the good teams. You can lose to the Warriors. If you beat, you know, you know if you beat the Kings and the doggone Magic and the, and the Spurs and the Rockets, if, if you beat those teams – and the Trailblazers and the Timberwolves, you're fine. But don't go losing to those teams and expecting something good to happen to yourself. I, I it, It's just, it's maddening, Dan, maddening. It completely, it does justify what the fans were complaining about and what you were complaining about. And that's, like, that's the, that's the part of it that while it's, it's, it's awesome for that night, and it's great for LeBron. And honestly, I'm not trying to pile on on LeBron because there are people that will look for any single you know, slip up and even on the best nights try to find the other side of the story and why it was a bad night. But this is exactly what you and what other Laker fans have been pointing to. And it's like, well, where is this? And again, he's not going to score 56. You're just talking about playing, playing hard. That's all a, it is. And, and it's not even him. I mean, because if you look at LeBron statistically, granted, he's not the same force that he is, that he was on the court every single night. But you, uh, the, the dude is at like 28, 7 and 7 a, in year 19. He's 37. Damn, what more could you possibly want the man to do? <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, what no. more? There and and there are times that we even saw some clips over the last. I can't remember if it was the the game prior, or the one before that, where the where LeBron's just not dying for the ball, but there you just feel the need that you got to get LeBron the basketball, and he isn't, and no one's passing to him, and he's down on the block and trying to get open, and guys are throwing up shots. Like I understand that frustration. Now, what people would also say is this is the team that LeBron picked. So for the frustrations that LeBron may have with what he, you know, at, at times if he's not getting the ball in, in the game or feeling like he's open and should be getting the ball, there's there's that other side of the coin. And I actually think that that is something that separates, say, the Lakers. And obviously the Lakers brand and LeBron's brand plays a big part in this. But when you also look at an underachieving team like the Brooklyn Nets, we are 100 times harder on the Lakers 
for their missteps and what LeBron does than we are with anything with the Brooklyn Nets. Like it is, it is too. And if you were to look at the Nets and you look at their season, and obviously Kevin Durant missed a month and a half, which is a big part of it. Anthony yeah. Davis is also you know dinged up for the Lakers. Yeah, James, James, but James Harden, he missed he missed time. You know that 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 hamstring looking real good right now. But uh, yeah, so the, the the Brooklyn Nets, I give them honestly, they've lost four games straight. I give them a pass right now. Like they're getting the ultimate pass because of the James Harden situation plus Kyrie. Like well, in terms of their their record. And the Kyrie can only play in away games and Kevin Durant being being out. Like what I don't know what else you could have expected with this team. When they were healthy, they were in the one <laughs> when they were healthy, even without Kyrie, they were in the one seed. They've fallen all the way to the ninth seed right now. So I don't listen. I, I'm not getting ready to put too much, you know, like non stock, if you mm-hmm. will, into the Brooklyn Nets because I know that this is still a good basketball team. And I guarantee you, if KD is healthy and if Ben Simmons is on that court too, I guarantee you that there's going to be a lot of teams that do not want to play that basketball team. Well, I will say this. I think that there would be teams in the West that would want to play the Lakers. I am still saying 0.0% chance that the Lakers. 0.0? 0.0% chance that the Lakers win an NBA title. I'll say. Oh, all right. I'll, yeah, zero point, I was going to say get to the NBA Finals, but I'll just say 0.0% chance. Even though they've played the Warriors well over these last couple matchups. The win last night, they lost by two recently uh, uh, in San Francisco. There's In a seven-game series, I'm taking Golden State, especially if you have a healthy Draymond Green. I there's The Lakers, even healthy, aren't good enough to win a seven-game series against that team or a healthy Phoenix Suns team. Just not going to happen. Okay, Dan. Dan, listen, buddy. <laughs> you, you, the fact that you won't even give – uh, the Lakers a a point zero one percent chance is is insanity because all you need is a chip in a chair. You got LeBron. If Anthony Davis is healthy, let's say that 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 Westbrook that he stops hitting the side of the backboard like he has for the rest. Well, of that's his not going to change. You know, you and I both. It's know happened that. for the rest of his career, dude. He's got the yips. He's got the shooting yips right now. It's there's that's not going to change. The one thing the Lakers do have going for them is that I don't think that the five worst teams in the West have any interest in making the postseason. I don't think that I don't think that Portland and San Dude, Antonio Portland has changed their rosters. Yeah, they have. They uh, Nurkic, he got a fever in his foot. Uh, Dame could probably come come back. But why they are messing with the with the rotations of the young players because those dudes were playing way too hard. They were winning games and then they won. They went on a winning streak. You're like, whoa, 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 whoa. What are y'all doing? We can't stop you from from playing hard because you guys are first and second year players playing for your career. But but we damn sure ain't gonna let you uh, blow this blow this draft pick up after we didn't promise Dame that we're going to get something going here. No, no, no. <laughs> Losers of their last four, the Blazers and Spurs are. You just... Everybody's I, I think, smiling. Chauncey Billup job security right now. 
you know, it, it, the Lakers would have to face the Pelicans in that play-in game where the loser would go home and the winner would get the loser of what right now would be the Clippers-Timberwolves matchup with the Timberwolves sitting in the seventh spot and the Clippers in the eighth spot. And those Brooklyn Nets, as you mentioned, they're in a log jam right now with Charlotte and with the Hawks. Uh, all uh, sitting there in the 8, 9, and 10 spot. Uh, just a slight, slight percentage point lead on uh, on Atlanta because Atlanta has played two fewer games than the Hornets and the Nets do. But it does – I think the LeBron factor, I think the, the James Harden factor being the negative factor, the Kyrie factor, all different in Brooklyn. And then obviously Kevin Durant's knee injury is a, a – a big, big deal. That's, I, I, Kevin Durant being hurt to me is a bigger deal than Anthony Davis being dinged up for the Lakers. Like that's it's just because Kevin Durant, when he's on, is you know best player in the NBA at at times. So that's that's another reason why I don't think you're seeing as much shade thrown towards the Brooklyn Nets as you are towards the Lakers, even though both teams are sitting in the nine spot in their conference. He's George Reister. I'm Dan Beyer. This is. Fox Sports Sunday. Uh, it was a rough one for uh, for one network yesterday. We'll explain after David Gascon gives us the latest of what is happening on this Sunday afternoon. Uh, last Sunday, before we change our clocks, to put that on everyone's radar. That's right. That's right. Dan, the one thing you left out about this Laker team. Oh, what's that? Zero heart. Zero heart. Whoa, 0. whoa, 0. whoa. See, look. I had it see, last night. I That's cannot crazy. wait one time. for you guys to eat your damn words. Don't worry. I, I, I waited for that with you in the Super Bowl with Jared Goff and Matthew Stafford. So <laughs> I will calmly acknowledge that when it, if it ever happened. Uh, the weekend I was out, I heard that uh, there there was – I didn't want to bring it up, but – I did the, say that the, that the trade worked for them. I mean, what what else do you want me to say? Not say that Jared Goff uh, could have done what the uh, the Rams did this season. I never said that. What I I asked a simple question all season, which was very reasonable. How much better are the Rams with Jared Goff? I'm sorry, with Matthew Stafford than Jared Goff, and that they need to not only go to the Super Bowl but win the Super Bowl to justify the uh, trade, and they did it. They did it. They succeeded. Congratulations to that team. What what else you want me to say? I don't know, man. I don't know. He could have played a perfect game and lost, and it's still you still would have said, well, he did exactly the same as Jared Goff would do. Right? Jared Goff could have won that Super Bowl yeah. against the Bengals. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? Yep. Yeah. Hey. Hey, Aaron Aaron Donald was uh was was pretty fantastic and should have been MVP, but that's another discussion. Guys, uh in Vegas today, NASCAR Cup Series tickets act to Sin City. Alex Bowman won it. He beat out Kyle Larson. That was on Fox earlier today. Uh college basketball in the NBA, heavy, heavy menu today, and a bunch of games that are going on right now, but a few teams that have punched their ticket to the dance. Chicago for the second year in a row, your Loyola Rambers are Missouri Valley Conference tournament champions. And in the process they have earned an automatic bid to the ncaa tournament sister jean dust off those dancing shoes here we go again now they weren't the only ones either though final horn sounds longwood big south champions unbelievable season they don't need the cardiac kids today you can put your nitroglycerin pills away longwood dominates from start to finish and the lancers are going dancing 
One and done Iowa Hawkeyes will get things underway about five minutes from now with Illinois. That's going to be on FS1, Minnesota Northwestern, the same. Uh, Guys, uh, big day at the office for Jason Tatum. He had 54 points in the victory against the Brooklyn Nets. Celtics win at 126 to 120. Chris Middleton with 44. Bucks 132. Suns 122. Memphis and Houston going at it in Texas. Grizzlies up by 6, 28 to 22. Pacers and Wizards. Right now, Washington is a seven-point lead. Jazz at OKC leading by nine. Guys, back to you. Thank you very much, Dave. It is Fox Sports Sunday. He's George Reister. I'm Dan Beyer. If cold candidate calls aren't turning into hot hiring leads, then you need Indeed because Indeed's powerful hiring platform makes it easy to attract, screen, and interview candidates all from one place. Find your next great hiring. Visit Find your next great hire visiting Indeed.com slash credit. My bad, Indeed, on that. You got to go to Indeed.com. The uh, UFC fight last night, George, did you catch it? Absolutely, dude. Okay, what happened with the with the uh, the feed? Oh my god, dude! Right in the second <laughs> round, it ended up coming back. The right in the second round, the feed just fell apart, and it was like, "Oh, excuse me, we're experiencing technical difficulties." I was like, "Right now, right now, <laughs> and, and, dude!" If I had missed, if I had missed a knockout or a submission, I would have been that person. I would have been calling, emailing, demanding my money back, everything. And you, you would have had absolutely every right to do so. You would have because you paid to watch that event. And I know that there's nothing that they can do with technical difficulties. But listen, there is something that you can do. And and the reason I bring it up, and it's not to rain on ESPN because they are a competitor. But yesterday afternoon, George, there were things that, that me and the family had to go out and do. And so I knew Coach K's last game. Uh, last home game at Cameron Indoor, part of my out and about running around were going to be during that window. So you know what I did? Tape the game, right? Going to sit down, going to watch some pregame festivities, going to check out, see what's happening with Coach K. Because I saw in the guide that, hey, Channel 206 on DirecTV, uh, Kansas, Texas uh, from Lawrence, a uh, two-hour window ends at, at 3 o'clock our time here on the West Coast, then North Carolina at Duke to follow. Well, guess what happens? Texas and Kansas go into Goes overtime. Goes long, yeah. So the first 15 minutes of my recording are the overtime session between Kansas and Texas. And while it was a great game, this is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. This is Coach K is going to have a final home game at Cameron Indoor again. And what it was, it was such a colossal disappointment, George. And I, and I, and I know <laughs> someone sitting in their car saying like, well, if it really meant a lot to you, you wouldn't have been running around. That's not the point. What ended up happening was You are the, allowed to run around with your, with your family because football season just ended and you don't want to get a divorce (laughs) yes yes they gave us split screen so there was like there was like no audio going on from Cameron Indoor but you saw Coach K walking out and then you had the Kansas Texas game and my whole point is this listen everything in college sports and heck professional sports are done for TV purposes right you yes. knew this was going to be a special. They, they did a whole thing on Coach K the entire day. It was their college game day. They had this. They had that. You couldn't just space out a window to say, you know what? 
we're going to carry the entire pregame show, like the, the, or the pregame and all the festivities. Put that on the air. I know you may have to move out a college basketball game with that window, but to not have that aired was just so Dude. disappointing. So everything that I wanted to see – in the pregame, yeah, all I the pomp and circumstance yeah, from the pregame you out didn't the get window. A to see it. Oh, it was so disappointing. It is it it not as disappointing as having a VCR tape cut off like right before the game's about to go oh, the, for old the old school. days. Old school. Yeah, this is kind of the reverse of that. But I was very disappointed in not being able to to see uh, you know the the whole festivities and all of their their worth on the old DVR. No, nah, that's. Uh, that you you have a reasonable complaint, my friend. A very reasonable complaint. Do you remember the days of not recording on the correct speed on your VCR, so your tape did run out? Like maybe you did SP speed instead of SLP, and you only had two hours of videotape instead of the six hours. Damn. Oh, those those Damn. were the days. I I. I <sighs> I did not do a lot of that. I do remember it vaguely, but mm-hmm. I was not recording things like I would ask my dad to do it more than anything else. <laughs> so uh, he would be associated with those problems. But I do remember the the LP, EP, yeah. all that stuff issue and like and not having Google to rely upon to try to be like, OK, wait, wait, hold up. Which which speed is which? <laughs> I just know SLP was the the six hour one, and I also know that you needed to turn off your VCR if you were doing a time recording. Like you had to turn the power off, yeah, so that the way it t- would come on at the time. <laughs> yes, and if you left the power on, it wouldn't record. It, it it made no sense whatsoever. There are many games in my in my uh, VHS library, George. That also do you span still two have video a VHS cassettes. library? What's that? Do you still own a VHS library? I, I keep I there are games that I still have on I used to tape the Super Bowl, so I have a bunch of Super Bowls still on VHS. I have Listen. college basketball games. I have some Seahawk Monday night football games or Sunday night football games. But some of those are also on two tapes because I put it on the wrong speed again and ran out of tape and then I had to complete the, the game on another tape. Those are all problems that a generation uh, today will have no idea. But the struggles of taping games back in the day, uh, it, I understand yesterday, you know, what can you do? But you could make some changes. But those those problems that I experienced yesterday sure felt a lot like the way that I felt <laughs> 30 years ago when, when games weren't taped and they should have been. All right. Uh, I dated myself. What can you do? He is George Reister. I'm Dan Beyer. It is Fox Sports Sunday. Get George on Twitter at George Reister. You can find me on Twitter at Dan Beyer on Fox. It's really what happened at the end of the Duke-North Carolina game that really should have us talking again. We'll explain. That's next here on Fox Sports Sunday. Fox Sports Sunday. He's George Reister. I'm Dan Beyer. March is here. I tweeted George uh, at Dan Beyer on Fox. Get George on Twitter at George Reister. That I know it's March because every 27-footer that's thrown up like at the end of the shot clock or at the end of the game in a college basketball game, I just assume – 
if, I assume it's going in. I assume like when the kid launches it that it's going in. And you had a couple of shots, especially in the end of that Missouri Valley Conference game where uh, Loyola ended up beating Drake today. So the Ramblers uh, punched their automatic ticket that uh, I just thought, oh, that shot's going to go in. And that's when you know it's March, when even the, the craziest shots. I, I joked about the Kansas-Texas game running long. There was a shot at the buzzer that got waved off in regulation last night that would have won it for Kansas. That was absolutely crazy. So there's there's a reason why I think everything ends up just have, you know uh, is about to go down when a kid pulls up from 25 feet in March. I just assume it goes in. Oh yeah, yeah. You well, except for last year, I don't think we had any. Oh wait, no. Yeah, we we didn't have any buzzer beaters until Jalen Suggs hit the game winner for Gonzaga against UCLA. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, we like we haven't seen any, any very many like recently of those Valpo or chucking it from half court heartbreakers. Like like those are fun for fans to watch, but they're no fun for the for the players. <laughs> I, I think you would rather lose. On on some other situation than than that because that's yes. got to be brutal. There weren't there weren't a lot of close games I remember in the tournament outside of the um, when Texas ended up losing to Abilene Christian like that was a close game, and then I thought Arkansas ended up playing a close game. But up until like that Final Four matchup, oh Michigan had a chance to beat UCLA of the Elite Eight. And uh, they were off the mark, but there weren't tons of just even close games, uh, you know, a lot in the tournament. You know, Arkansas just double checking, uh, yeah, beat Texas Tech by two, and then they uh, they uh, took out Oral Roberts. But yeah, there wasn't as crazy. But the Jalen Suggs one last year seemed to kind of make up for uh, some of the stuff that we were uh, we were missing. Yeah, those, dude, uh, that was heartbreak hotel, baby, heartbreak <laughs> city. Oh, I want to get your thoughts on this as as we wrap things up. We had the Jawan Howard situation, obviously, a couple weeks ago and the Michigan coach actually uh, now has served his five-game ban for slapping Wisconsin assistant Joe Krabinoff after that game in Madison. There was another handshake scenario deal, however you want to put it, at the end of the Duke-North Carolina game yesterday where Hubert Davis, the North Carolina coach, attempted to shake Chris Carrowell, the Duke assistant, uh, Duke assistant coach's hand, and Carrowell just walked past him and ignored him. Um, I believe Nolan Smith also shook his hand and didn't look at Hubert Davis. But what was mentioned in this postgame was that Chris Carrowell said that he didn't shake Hubert Davis's hand because North Carolina didn't go and shake their hands prior to the game. And and I, I'm like, okay, what, what, are, what are we doing here? The, the common theme in all this stuff, George, it just seems like the losers are having a really tough time with a handshake line lately when it comes to college <laughs> basketball or anything else. Like, I don't, we had this whole stupid debate of do you need a handshake line or do you not? It just seems to me that the common thread is that when you lose a game, they seem to be the ones to have the difficulty in carrying out the actual duties of a handshake line. Hey, man, listen, listen, I'm not mad. I am not mad at all about like, like, see, the thing that makes sports great. See, I would be upset if this happened all the time. Right. I actually like it when it happens occasionally, 
occasionally because these are the things that fuel rivalries, the things that turn, you know, a a regular rivalry into super heated. And then that engages the fans that much more engages the players. The intensity goes up the next time they play. And I'm all in on all of that. I the look that Hubert Davis uh, gave Chris Carowell as he walked by, kind of like the like what you know, like what? Okay, all right. If that's if that's the way that you want to roll, it's just I, I I find it I just find it very very funny that it's never the winners who are having the problem with the uh, the handshake mm-hmm. line. It's always no. the ones who have to go back uh, back to the uh, to the locker room in defeat. And and by the way, if there is anything that needs to be changed about a handshake line, it's that star players should only be able to shake the hands of oh, other star God. players. Oh, God, way to, way to put that in at the end of the show, buddy. May, maybe, maybe we take my NFL rule and translate it over to the NBA where, you know, Kevin Durant can only say what's up to, uh, to a you know, certain amount of guys. Like if they're, if they're playing the Bucks, he can say what's up to Giannis and Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday. But if, uh, you know, if, if somebody else comes over, if Grayson Allen comes over, maybe not. Maybe Grayson Allen doesn't go, you know, get to that level of shaking Kevin Durant's hand. There's only so many hands that you can shake. Maybe the NBA needs my NFL rule. What do you think? Absolutely not. That, mm. that is one of your all-time worst takes. <laughs> oh, oh, man. I'll tell you what. It, it's, it's, uh, it can't be any uh, better than my 0.0% take of the Lakers winning a championship because that is also going to come to fruition. For George Reister, and Bayer, it has been fun on Fox Sports Sunday. Enjoy the rest of the, your weekend. We will talk to you next week.